Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Don't try to explain away what Jesus said. He was very clear. If you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. Forgiveness is the obligation of those who have been truly forgiven. How do we move from bitterness to forgiveness? Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Anger in and of itself is not a sin. Even God feels a righteous anger. But when we let unresolved anger fester into bitterness, well, that bitterness becomes a deadly poison. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains why forgiveness is essential to our physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. One of the tragedies of our times is when our young families feel oppressed by the darkness of our culture and, as a result, begin to go silent with their Christian faith. Well, my daughter, Julia Jeffress Sadler, has never been given to shyness. In fact, she's become a respected leader among peers and an outspoken advocate of speaking the truth in love. Her podcast has risen to the top of the charts as a favorite. It's called Unapologetic, and it's become a lifeline for anyone who's looking to grow stronger in their walk with God. Please take a listen to this podcast and tell a friend about Unapologetic. You'll find a link by going to ptv.org. If you've never reached out to us before, I definitely want you to get in touch with Pathway to Victory today because I've written a best-selling book for you called Invincible. It's the one that inspired our current teaching series. All of us have mountains in our lives that appear unscalable. Humanly speaking, there's no way to move some of those mountains, but we can certainly get around them with God's help. And in my book, Invincible, I show you God's plan for conquering mountains like materialism, doubt, guilt, and the issue we're talking about today. Be ready to jot down our contact information later on, because I want to send you a copy of my latest book, Invincible. It's yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 to continue a message we started on yesterday's program. I titled my message, Moving from Bitterness to Forgiveness. I can say without any hesitancy that no decision you make affects your physical, emotional, or spiritual health any more than the issue we're talking about today, moving from bitterness to forgiveness. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. First of all, what is the source of bitterness? Two words, unresolved anger. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, look at this. Paul says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Isn't that interesting? Be angry, but don't sin. Never in the Bible does it say be lustful, but don't sin. Or be greedy, but don't sin. Greed and lust are always wrong, but not anger. It depends upon how we respond to that anger. 
And that's why, again, Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that none of you come short with the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and defiles many. What are the consequences of long-term unresolved anger of bitterness? First of all, there are real physical consequences to bitterness. The late Christian psychiatrist, Dr. Frank Minereth, noted that anger decreases the lymphocytes in our bodies and result in depressed antibodies necessary to fight infectious diseases. In fact, Dr. Minereth made this comment. He said, quote, pent up anger is probably the leading cause of death in America. Isn't that amazing? A doctor, a psychiatrist saying the leading cause of death in America is unresolved anger. Secondly, beyond physical consequences, there are emotional consequences. Instead of letting a hurt heal, a person who's bitter keeps reliving it over and over again in his mind, not realizing he's doing himself much more harm than the other person even knows about. When you relive a hurt over and over again, you're allowing your offender to keep hurting you, which makes no sense whatsoever. But the physical, emotional consequences of bitterness pale in comparison to the spiritual consequences of bitterness. What happens spiritually when you refuse to forgive another? Remember the parable told in Matthew chapter 18 by Jesus? There was a slave who owed the king uh, 10,000 talents of gold. A talent was about 70 or 80 pounds of gold. I did a calculation. That would be about $16 billion in today's uh, dollars. And the slave said, king, please be patient and I will repay you everything. Not sure exactly how he planned to repay $16 billion, but he begged for mercy. And that hardened king, seeing that slave bow down and beg for his life, something was moved inside of that hardened king. He had mercy on him, and Jesus said he forgave him. He released the slave of what was owed. The Bible says the slave got up, thanked the king, and off he went. And his first stop was to a friend of his, a fellow slave who owed him 100 denarii. 100 denarii would be $16. And he grabbed that fellow slave by the nape of the neck and began to choke him and say, repay me what you owe me. And that second slave said, be patient with me and I will repay you everything. But unlike the king, this first slave was unwilling to forgive. And when the king heard about what had happened, he had that first slave dragged into the palace and seething with anger, the king said, how is it that you who have been forgiven so much could refuse to forgive so little? And then the king ordered that the slave be turned over to the torturers in prison until he should repay everything. And then Jesus added this to his audience, Matthew eighteen thirty-five: so shall my heavenly father do the same to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. When we understand the great debt from which God has forgiven us, we have the obligation to extend that same forgiveness to those who wrong us. Jesus is not at all denying the wrong that may have been done to you, the real hurt that you may be experiencing. He's not asking you to deny that hurt. He's just asking you to keep it in perspective. 
He said, remember the difference between how much that other person has hurt you and how much you have hurt God is the difference between $16 and $16 billion. And then just in case anybody misses it, Jesus said again in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, here are the spiritual consequences of unforgiveness. If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. Don't try to explain away what Jesus said. He was very clear. If you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. Forgiveness is the obligation of those who have been truly forgiven. How do we move from bitterness to forgiveness? The Bible gives us four important steps on that road to forgiveness. Number one, you have to acknowledge, first of all, that you have been wronged. You have to acknowledge you have been wrong. Some people try to be more spiritual than God is. And they want to just say, well, forgiveness means I'll just play like this never happened. I'll do this mind game and just erase this from my memory. No, that's not what forgiveness is. You cannot forgive somebody you're not willing to blame. Forgiveness is a debt. When somebody wrongs you, they owe you a very real debt. And until you acknowledge the wrong and the debt, you can never release somebody from it. I think about, for example, the story of Joseph. We're going to look at the story of Joseph this summer. But remember his story when he was a teenager? He was sold into slavery by his brothers. And and, uh, through a series of miraculous circumstances, he ended up being the second in command to Pharaoh and Egypt. Decades after his brothers wronged him and left him for dead, they were reunited with Joseph. And remember what Joseph said to them in Genesis 50, 20? He didn't say, guys, it's good to see you again. Let's just let bygones be bygones. Maybe you all were having a bad day and that's why you did what you did, but let's just forget about it. Did he say that? No. In Genesis 50, 20, Joseph said to his brothers, and as for you, you meant it for evil. He's very clear. What they did was wrong. And until you're willing to acknowledge what was done to you was wrong, you'll never be able to forgive. Again, you cannot forgive those you're not first willing to blame. Acknowledge that you have been wronged. Secondly, trust in the sovereignty of God. Joseph didn't stop there. He said, you meant it for evil, but God... It's a key word, a phrase in the life of Joseph, but God, but God. You meant it for evil, but God used it for good to bring about this present circumstance and to preserve many people alive. You remember the story because Joseph ended up in Egypt and became Pharaoh's right-hand man. He was able to provide food when there was a worldwide famine, not only for Egypt, but for his brothers and father who were the nucleus of the nation of Israel. I mean, think about it. Had there not been a Joseph in Egypt, this nucleus of the Israelite nation, the uh, 12 sons and Jacob, they would have been obliterated. There would have been no Israel. There would have been no Jesus, the savior of the world who came from the line of David. None of that would have happened if Joseph had not ended up in Egypt. And Joseph wouldn't have been in Egypt if his brothers had not sold him into slavery. 
You meant it for evil, but God used it for good. You know what Joseph was saying to his brothers? He said, what you did was wrong, but thank God I serve a God who's bigger than you are. A God who has the power to take the worst things you did to me and still use them for good. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just say this. You will never be able to truly forgive until you trust in the sovereignty of God. To believe in a God who is so big, so powerful, so loving, he can take the worst things people have ever done to you and use those things for your good and for his glory. Now, I want to be very careful here because I know this is a sensitive topic. There are some of you who are struggling right now with forgiving somebody who may have abused you, even as a child. I've talked to people who have gone through that horror and they said, Pastor, I just can't believe in a God who would have the power to have prevented that abuse or have stopped that abuse and yet chose not to stop it. I can't believe in a God like that. And I understand that. I understand that sentiment. But I always try to gently say to them, do you find more comfort in believing in a God who wasn't able to stop the abuse? A God who doesn't have the power to control the circumstances of your life? Do you really want to serve a God that makes you nothing but a victim of random circumstances and random people and people are free to hurt you however they want to without any purpose at all? No, the comfort comes from believing in the God of the Bible. The God who works in ways we don't understand, a God who would never condone evil or create evil, but is able to use evil to achieve his purpose in your life. And for his glory. A God that Paul described in Romans 8.28. A God who causes all things to work together for good. To those who love him. And those who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes like Joseph we get to see some good that comes out of the hurt we experienced. As an old man, he was able to look back and say to his brothers, you meant it for evil, God used it for good. Many times we live and die without ever seeing the ultimate plan of God. It won't be till heaven that we get to see what that ultimate plan was. But whether we see it or not, our healing comes from believing in that kind of sovereign God who causes all things to work together for good. Third, how do you move from bitterness to forgiveness? Admit your own failures and receive God's forgiveness. You cannot give away something you don't have yourself. It is impossible for you to truly forgive others if you've not been forgiven by God. In the Bible, there's an inseparable link between receiving God's forgiveness and extending that forgiveness to others. I think about it as, a, as an emotional seesaw. Do you remember playing on seesaws when you were little? You know how it works. You get on one end, and then hopefully somebody of equal weight gets on the other end. And as long as you are balanced, the seesaw remains in equilibrium. But remember what would happen? That jerk you were playing with would get off first and let you come crashing down the other side. Remember that? No, to maintain equilibrium, you had to maintain the weight on both ends of the seesaw. Now think about that picture. Each one of us 
carries an emotional seesaw in our minds. On one end is guilt that we feel for things we've done wrong. And the only way we can keep from crashing down is if we balance our guilt with blame toward other people who have wronged us. As long as we have the same amount of guilt and blame, we're able to rationalize things. But whenever you ask somebody to forgive another person, it's like asking that person on the blame end to get off the seesaw and all you're left with is your guilt over what you've done and you come crashing down. No, the only way to keep an equilibrium is before you ask somebody else to get to, to uh, before you forgive somebody else for what they've done and get rid of the blame, you have to get rid of your guilt. And the only way to get rid of your guilt is through faith in Jesus Christ. The moment you trust in God for the forgiveness of your sins, it removes the guilt that you have. And only then can you quit blaming other people for what they've done. And that's why Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Does that make sense? You cannot give to others what you have not experienced yourself. And then finally, and most critically, moving from bitterness to forgiveness, there has to come that time when you choose to forgive your offender. Just as there is a moment in time you choose to receive forgiveness when you trust in Christ as your Savior, there has to be an actual time when you choose to release your offender of what they've done to you. Now remember, when you're forgiving, you're not denying the reality of the hurt. You're not diminishing it in any way. You're not even letting go of your desire to see that other person experience justice for what they've done to you. When you forgive, what you're giving up is your right for vengeance, your right to hurt somebody else for hurting you. When you forgive somebody, what you're saying is, God, what this person did to me was terrible. It's wrong. They deserve to suffer for it, but I'm going to let you settle the score. Today, I'm surrendering this offense to you so that I can be free to get on with my life. And by the way, you can do that regardless of what the other person does or doesn't do. Remember in Matthew or Mark eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions. You can be sitting here in the pews of First Baptist Church Dallas. You can be sitting watching on your laptop or television. It may be you haven't seen your offender in years. It may be they're even dead. But you and you alone have the power to forgive. You don't have to wait until that person asks for your forgiveness. You don't have to wait until they repent. You don't have to wait until they make some change. When you put conditions on your forgiveness, you're making yourself an emotional slave to that other person. But when you forgive, you're letting go so that you can be free to experience the abundant life that God has for you. And here's the best part. As Lewis Smead says, when you forgive, you set the prisoner free. And the prisoner you set free is you. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. I know I'm speaking to some right now who may be here in our worship center or watching this program and 
Your most desperate need right now is to receive forgiveness before you can forgive anybody. Remember, forgiveness is the obligation of those who've been forgiven. And if you find yourself saying, I just can't forgive this person, it very well may be because you've never truly confessed your sins to God and received his forgiveness. God is giving you the opportunity right now to receive his forgiveness. Maybe you would say in the quietness of this moment, dear God, I know I failed. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve your judgment, but I believe what the Bible says that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me, to take the punishment that I deserve to take for my sins. And right now at this moment in time, I'm trusting in Jesus to save me. But today I realize many of you watching or many of you here are already Christians, but you're struggling with this issue of forgiving somebody else. You will never be truly free to experience what God wants for your life until you let go. And so today, if you're ready to choose to forgive your offender and experience the abundant life, I want to lead you in a prayer that I encourage you to pray to God right now. Dear God, you know how much, and then put the person's name in there, how much this person has wronged me and hurt me. They deserve to pay for what they've done. But Father, today I'm letting go of that hurt and offense and let you deal with it. Today I'm choosing to forgive, not because the other person deserves to be forgiven, not because they've asked to be forgiven. I'm forgiving today because of the great forgiveness you've shown me through Jesus. And dear God, whenever that offense comes back to my mind and I'm tempted to blame again, help me remember what I did today. I made the choice to let go, to forgive. You know, I'd encourage you if you did pray that prayer, Somewhere in your Bible, maybe on the back page, right, today I chose to forgive. You can reverse their initials if you want to for what they did to me. Sign it, date it. And whenever you're tempted to relive that experience, go back and look at what you signed today. Father, thank you for being a God who forgives and empowers us to forgive others. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps you're listening right now and thinking about a relationship that's in disrepair. Someone hurt you, and you've been uncertain what to do, what to say, or how to get even. If there's one thing I want you to take away from today's program, it's this important definition. Forgiveness is a choice you make to let go of your desire to hurt somebody else for hurting you. Now, in a moment, David will describe the vast array of helpful resources on this topic designed to coach you on your next steps. Most of all, I'd like to send you my latest book called Invincible. It includes an entire chapter on the topic we address today. So please get ready to write down our contact information and take action. Your first steps will ultimately guide you to conquering the mountain of bitterness. Then remember that your generosity is what allows me to teach with boldness on relevant biblical topics like this one. And your gifts truly make a difference. 
Not long ago, I heard from a listener in Pennsylvania who said, Pastor Jeffress, I grew up in foster homes until the age of 18. I spent my life angry at my mother until I heard you teach about forgiveness and its power. It changed everything for me. I will be forever grateful to God for that message and series. Isn't that a wonderful outcome? And when you give generously to Pathway to Victory, you play a significant role in moving mountains like this one. God uses your generosity to deliver hope and forgiveness through Pathway to Victory. Thanks so much. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous gift of Pathway to Victory, you're invited to request a hardbound copy of the best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress called Invincible, Conquering the Mountains that Separate You from the Blessed Life. As an added bonus, you'll also receive a new message from Dr. Jeffress called When Persecution Comes. This timely CD and DVD message will help you prepare for the coming persecution of Christians in America. Here's our toll-free phone number, 866-999-2965, or visit us online at ptv.org. And when you give an especially generous gift of $75 or more, we'll also include the complete Invincible Teaching Series on audio and video discs, along with a personal and group study guide. Call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You can also send your request by mail. Write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. One more time, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us again next week when Dr. Jeffress talks about how to overcome the mountain of materialism. That's Monday, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.